Happy Friday. It's time for the Richard Skipper Friday Wrap-Up Show. Who and what are you celebrating today? Richard Skipper believes every day is worth celebrating. But today, we wrap up the week with a dose of positivity. You never know who might show up or what might happen. So get ready. Your skipper is now coming on board, and we are ready to set sail. All aboard. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? I'm celebrating Judy Mark and Brian Summers uh, watching the show today. So thank you both for being here. Uh, and today is also uh, movie day. So we're going to be talking about some of our favorite movies in addition to all these other things that we're going to talk about. What a week we've had. Here in New York, we have been in a smoke globe all week. Uh, I don't know what it's like it, wherever you are, but here in Rockland County, the smoke was wafting through the air. Uh, everything was orange and hazy. And it was also, uh, well, indictment week. I mean, can you believe the news today and yesterday and last night? It's unbelievable what's going on. Uh, today is also Donald Duck Day uh, because Donald Duck made his debut on this date. And I'll tell you somebody else who made a debut on this date, and that's Betsy Ann Fayetta. Happy <laughs> birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I am so you. thrilled that you were here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for asking me. So tell me, how are you celebrating your birthday? Well, I've been celebrating my birthday for a week now. And um, I went to Los Angeles. Wow. Uh, I went, I was in LA last week uh, because the I have a girlfriend who said she, two years ago, that she wanted to have her toes in the sand on her birthday. And I really admire that. And she went, she went to someplace much more exotic than I did. Uh, and then this year she did the same thing and she went to Mexico and I said, I'm going to, I want my toes in the sand too. So, you know, without being able to go somewhere very exotic, I went to LA, but guess what? It was cool and gray. Wow. <laughs> That's exotic. <laughs> but I had lots of fun anyway. And I did saw. Did you get a things. chance to, you know, uh, sightsee to do any, uh, movies or anything while we were there, or did you completely shut down and just enjoy yourself? Oh, I enjoyed myself. Uh, I, you know, I worked a little bit during each day, um, at each work day that I was there. And, um, and then late in the afternoon, I stayed with very, very close friends. I, I lived in LA for 20 years. Wow. So, um, you know, I really, the only sightseeing I need to do is the Pacific ocean to tell you the <laughs> truth, but I did drive all over Los Angeles on Memorial day. And, um, which was a gift because they don't drive that much, of course, in New York. Uh, so I did see everything from Burbank to Glendale to West Hollywood to downtown LA. And so that was, that was fun. And I do like to drive. So you know, oh, that's great. Well, that's the place to do it. Uh, and is the traffic as bad now, you know, since COVID? Has oh, it come back? Or I know that they said for a while that everything had slowed down a little bit. It, You know, when I left, which, believe it or not, was 17 years ago this summer. I've been back in New York. It's I can't even believe it. Um, when I left, 
ev all everybody talked about was how bad the traffic was. And I mean, I'm not talking about on just the freeways, but in town, it was like nobody could figure out how long it took to get anywhere anymore. You know, if, if you lived in West Hollywood and you needed to go to the, the doctor in Beverly Hills, you had to leave like 40 minutes mm -hmm. to go, you know, a few blocks. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people have left California, you know, like they're leaving in droves. So I don't know. I mean, we ha I happened to be there on Pride weekend. So, and yeah. I was in West Hollywood. So. Ah! <laughs> Talk about Pride. I mean, that's the place to be. It was really funny. It was really funny. I mean, at one point I was walking on Santa Monica Boulevard and they had erected a Ferris wheel in the middle of Santa Monica Boulevard getting ready for, for Pride. And um, I stayed, I had a little pajama party one night with my dear friend who lives up in Ventura County she came down for my birthday dinner and I said, well, I'm going to get us a hotel room because I couldn't meet her. I couldn't bring her into the home with my friends, you know, all that stuff. So we, I got a hotel room at the WeHo Ramada <laughs> and then, uh, but I didn't realize it was pride weekend yet. This was like four or five weeks ago. And then all of a sudden I realized it was pride weekend and I was terrified. I was like, Oh my God, we're never going to be able to sleep. It's going to be insane. Don't ask me what they do at the WeHo Ramada Inn, but it was almost like the room was soundproofed. Wow. We never heard a thing. It was absolutely dead silent. So it was just fun. I just had fun for the week. It was, it was really great. Well, Betsy Ann, I want to talk a little bit about you. I mean, oh. before we get, when did you get back, by the way? Um, I got back on Sunday. So you were here for the smoke event. I was. Uh, asked if you had any photographs. Here are a couple that you took. I mean, you, everybody can see what the skies yeah. really look like. Yeah. For those That's my sister's up. picture. She took that. But yeah. And for those who were not in New York, uh, they were not exaggerating. Uh, at the overcast there, we can all see that. Uh, yeah. But you are, um, I, you know, I would say a top PR person uh, in the cabaret world and beyond. Uh, mm -hmm. But you started out as a singer. Um, how did you transition from being a singer to doing PR work? Well, um, a, a couple of years before I really transitioned, when I was still singing, um, a friend of mine who was a publicist needed, he, he just needed some extra help to write some, he needed bios. He was working with some people that didn't have any bios and they didn't have proper press releases. And he was too busy, you know, to, to really do do that. So he said, you know, can you do this for me? And so I literally went on the internet and found out, you know, how to write a press release. And um, so I started to write bios and press releases. I mean, I always knew that I could write. Um, and, in, and so that was a couple of years before I actually, you know, started to do it full time or in earnest or however you want to say. Um, but in 2008, I, you know, I'd been back in New York for two years. I had had a huge production job because I think, you know, I was a producer as well. I worked in the um, commercial business for many, many years. And, um, you know, things change in the business. And um, I was in New York and most of my clients were in L.A. And, you know, it just I could just see the writing on the wall. You know, it was and um so I thought, well, I've got to do something and I know how to write and I like to write. And I certainly know 
you know, as a producer, I certainly knew how not to take no for an answer mm -hmm. because you, you know, you just have to constantly, you know, push, push, push very gently to get your way. So I started to do, I think, I think somebody caught my friend that I had done the work for referred somebody to me and she wanted a publicist for her, for her CD. I guess it was a CD at the time. And, um, I said, okay, but I've never done it. So I can't charge you nothing because it's against my principles, but I'll charge you like $300. <laughs> and, so I, and so I took on her project and it was a it was a CD for kids, children's, uh, well, it wasn't children's music. It was actually um, great American songbook composers who had composed some you know, lullabies and things like that. So it was all very well-known composers and the music was lovely. And I ended up getting her a major newspaper article. And a, a, at the time when they had really nice kids magazines, you know, parents and yes. kids didn't have them anymore, unfortunately. I got her a beautiful little, uh, you know, like an enhanced sort of listing, like a small article, you would say. And I was man, I was hooked. I was like, that's, wow, this feels great. And I had stopped singing, uh, to your point. I had actually stopped singing in 2008. Um, pretty much, I didn't know that I was going to never sing again, um, but I knew that I wasn't going to sing for a while. So it was really, it was great for me to be able to promote other creatives. I really like that. Well, I want to talk about two creatives that you are currently working with. And that, first of all, is Margot Brown, oh, yeah. uh, who is coming back. Thank you, Margot, because I've been here the last time. And uh, I definitely want to be there. She's been on the show. Uh, and uh, you also uh, have Mark Arthur Miller mm -hmm. uh, that has a show coming up at the Green Room 42. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to ask you, with uh, everything that's going on, what do you think is the biggest uh, miss? Uh, conception or perception uh, that people have about uh, hiring a publicist to do their shows. And I do want to let everyone know uh, mm -hmm. Savoy PR uh, is mm -hmm. the name of your company. Mm -hmm. And I also want to thank you, Betsy Ann, because you are one of my sponsors this month. So thank you so much for that. So uh, that's not the reason she's on today, folks, but it helps. <laughs> so anyway... It's my charming personality. Of course, yes. Um, wow. Uh, hmm. I think, I think, you know, people that are in just say, you know, who are in the, really in the cabaret world, uh, they are, uh, maybe they are worried about, you know, not getting enough bang for their buck or whatever, um, you know, which is, which is legitimate. I mean, mm -hmm. it, PR is hard work. It doesn't matter if you're only trying to get, you know, the one of the six, seven, eight reviewers that reviews cabaret uh, to come or not. Um, it's, you know, it's, takes time to write. It takes time to make phone calls, follow-up calls, et cetera, making sure that, you know, and then, and then things happen and you want to update. Anyway, it's a lot of work, as you know, you know, you, yes. you have done this kind of work. Um, you do this kind of work. And um, uh, I think there's, I don't know, I think maybe there's some 
negativity, you know, uh, among other people that, you know, it's, it's just not worth it. Or I, I, I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, I guess if people think they can do this on their own, you know, write a press release, it's, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I will yeah. say this and, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I always used to say when someone would reach out to me, mm-hmm. um, I'm not a seat filler and I cannot yes. guarantee that I can put butts in those seats. And right. anyone who says that they can guarantee butts in those seats, mm-hmm. run run, run in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. But what I can guarantee, and I know this is true of you, is that you will work very hard to ensure that they will get the proper exposure mm-hmm. that they should for that show. And that should be the number one goal for hiring a publicist. Do you yes. agree with me? Oh, I do agree with you about that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to bring our next guest on for a moment. But one of the th- things that I do on our Friday wrap-up shows is uh, I've got four mystery questions out. They're actually impact cards. So pull a number one through four, and then I'm going to let you pull on our next guest. Oh, I just choose one through four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, three. And it says, uh, where are you placing blame unnecessarily for something that happened in your life? And now I pick the guest. No, you have no, to answer the question. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm glad I misunderstood. Have you placed blame somewhere where it doesn't necessarily need to go? Are you Are you asking me this? I'm question? asking you. Yes. Oh, oh, sure. I have, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wish I could say no, but uh, I have. Uh, but I'll I'll say this. I do look deeply inside of myself uh, when there's a problem. Um, I do believe in making amends. Mm -hmm. And uh, I try to ask myself what I could have done differently that would have turned the situation. Uh, You know, and sometimes the answer is nothing. They, it was, you know, (laughs) but, But, you know, I'm reading a great book that I highly recommend everyone right now. It's called the four agreements and two of the four agreements are number one, it's never about you. And Mm -hmm. number two, don't make assumptions. And that's Mm -hmm. the lesson for today. So I'm going to let you pull on our next guest, pull a number one through three. Oh, uh, two. Well, that well, uh, he has a new show. Uh, this is the poster, so he knows who I'm bring, about to bring on. Uh, this is my wonderful friend Doug Devita, who is an amazing playwright uh, and uh, fabling. Uh, hello, Doug, and I'm so thrilled that you were here today. Hi, Richard. I'm thrilled to be here too. My voice is a little smoke infected, but I'm, I can talk. Well, it did wonders for Lauren McCall, so just go for it. Right, because I can sing just about as well as she can, too. Well, I think, she, well, uh, until she got to Broadway, I mean, there's rumors that when she did To Have and Have Not, speaking of movies, that that was actually Andy Williams that sang for her. Did wow. you know that? Look it up. It's true. So, uh, Doug, uh, I always begin the shows by asking who or what are you celebrating today? Well, I'm celebrating my play right right this week, uh, which is mm-hmm. actually Fabling was the name of the event at the drama book. Yes. Not, the play is called that Fable. Yes. And that's what I am celebrating because it's it's poised to take off. 
So of course I saw a Zoom reading of this very early on. Yes. Um, so if you want to give everyone like a Reader's Digest version of what this play is about, and you are getting amazing press with this, by the way. Yeah, I know. It's kind of, uh, I don't know what to make of it. It's all very new to me, as Barbara Cook sang in that in uh, Plain and Fancy. Um, fable is a fable about a musical fable, uh, i.e. it's it's about, um, well, it's about the creation of Gypsy, but through June Havoc's eyes uh, and her memories, because I have her place center as, as a 95-year-old um, who is quite upset about the latest revival. So it's it's filtered through her memory. It's filtered through her, uh, uh, her dreams, uh, in some cases, even her nightmares. And um, we see things from her perspective. Uh, and it all started from a conversation that I had. I, I never met June Havoc, um, but I did speak I did. to her. I did, say, I did meet her. I've, I, yeah, I've heard she was charming. I mean, she was charming on the phone. I um, I was the marketing director for Abingdon Theater Company way back when, mm -hmm. and she um, she was on the board. She the, their their theater space was named after her, and um, she would call occasionally, and and whoever picked up the phone got to talk to her. And many times I'd pick up the phone, it would be her, and you know, hello, Miss Havoc, how are you? Blah 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 blah. We were always told never bring up Gypsy with her. Just don't. So I never did. But she called one day and it happened to be the day that the Encores production was opening at Summer Run. Mm -hmm. And she was in a mood. She was going to talk to whoever picked up the phone. And it was me. And I got an earful from her about the, the production. She wasn't happy that it was being done again. Uh, oh, that musical. They always trotted out for some big star who's desperate enough to play mother. And I'll never forget her saying that. And I started to realize really for the first time what that show meant for her and, 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 and to her and, and her antipathy toward it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where the germ originated for the script. Well, um, was your goal with this to really uh, set the record straight through her memories of this? Well, you know, I'm going to, Walter Lord in his preface to A Night to Remember, says it is a rash man who tries to set all the details for the, uh, about the Titanic. Uh, it's You just can't. And as it's one of the things I realized as I, I was writing, um, you know, Gypsy was a fabulous liar. Rose was a fabulous liar. And you know what? So was June. All three of them were liars, and they were all very, very good at it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Gypsy herself said, you can't um, you can't tell the truth on stage in, or in a story. You have to make things up to make it palatable, to make it interesting, to give your audience something to uh, go along with you. So I can't say there's any veracity and any more veracity in the script than there is in Gypsy. There's more because of conversation I had with June and things that she said in the research. But in the end, I had to spin some things too, just to, to make it interesting and to mm -hmm. you know make the focus um, just not just on June, but on her relationship with her mother, her relationship with her sister. Um, so, so long-winded answer. It's not all that true. No, up. no it's a fable. I've heard so many playwrights say mm -hmm. that when they're writing a play, that the play mm -hmm. pretty much writes itself. Uh, and in the case of fable, um, and of course, it's based on so many things that have happened, uh, both from lore, fact, fiction, everything. 
Um, what was your guiding force in terms of getting to the crux of where you wanted to go with your story? Uh, because this is a fable through your eyes as well. What was your ultimate goal with writing fable? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question. It was actually someone asked me this similar question the other night. And, and my answer is that Gypsy is about people who want attention. Fable is about people who want to control their own narrative. Mm. And for me, that was sort of the guiding thing because I came late to the um, conclusion and the realization you can't control your own narrative. You know, you think you can, but you can't. No matter what's out there, somebody's going to spin it some different way. And become, and you need to become, um, um, what you call it, comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was, you know, I, I don't care how it's public record, how old we are now. I mean, I was past 60 when I realized I cannot control the narrative. No. So yeah, it's, I heard a very interesting statement the other night. Uh, David Friedman, who I love, uh, does a, a, a th thought exchange workshop. And someone in it, she made this statement that basically what we present to the world is like a director's cut. You know, it, it, you know, and it's a, it's an interesting way of looking at ourselves. Um, we all know that you are a certain way when you are with your family. Uh, you are a certain way when you're with your partner behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. You're a certain way when you go out in public. We all present these characters that we have become and that we have developed over the years. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, I've become con I've become comfortable with that. And it's one of the points that I make in, in the show, late in the show. And and I decided very strangely to make Ethel Merman the person who says that to June. It's like, you think you, you think I care what people say about me behind my back? I know my own story. I know what I've done with my life. I know what I'm doing with my life. And and I love that I gave that to her because I don't think she ever would have said anything like that. But, you know, it's... But don't you think also that even that if she did say something like that, I mean, there are so many people out there who want to give that front that this is who mm -hmm. I am and it really doesn't matter. But truly, we're all human and mm -hmm. we do truly care what people are thinking and saying about us. Yeah, At least course. I do. Well, I do, too. But I've learned to live with letting. Yes, of course. You have to. And that was a hard thing. OK, well, we're going to bring on our next guest in a moment. But just like with Betsy Ann, you get to pull the number one through three. One through three, two. And your question, it says, this is an interesting one. What triggers you and how can you transform your response in that area? Can I have Betsy Ann's question? <laughs> did, this que did this card just trigger you? <laughs> no, no. What, what, what triggers me, what really, really triggers me is hypocrisy. It just sends me through the roof. And of course, the world we live in now is just right with it. So, so can you repeat the second part of the and question? And the second part is how can you transform your response in that area? Well, I mean, I'd like to quip martinis, but um, <laughs> it's a very simple one that, that my shrink taught me years ago. First of all, was to breathe, just, just mm -hmm. stop and breathe. And then she had this little trick that has worked surprisingly well. Take whatever's bothering you, if it's a person, if it's an idea, if it's something that happened, and just wrap it up in a 
very pretty thing of cellophane. Mm -hmm. Just wrap it up, tie it up in a bow, shove it in the back of the closet and leave it there until you're ready to deal with it. And she said, and sometimes it will stay in the back of the closet for the rest of your life. But doing that, and that's okay, which I thought was interesting coming from Mm -hmm. a shrink, but um, that has worked on many, many occasions. Just wrap it up, throw it in the back of the closet and concentrate on something else. And when she first told me that, I thought she was nuts, but it actually does work. Well, something else that works is you're going to bring on our next guest. Cool. So you pull a number one through two, and we will bring that person on. You know, I'm nothing if not consistent. I'm going to say two again. Well, it's perfect that she's here today because she has a show called Movie Night, uh, which truly is one of my favorite shows that I have seen in Cabaret. And she is, uh, uh, you know, she has a new album that she's working on. So many incredible things. And you have a lot to celebrate right now. I so, do. So, but specifically, who or what are you celebrating today? Uh, Betsy Ann, because it's her birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> that is so timely. That's great. <laughs> and I'm glad that you're spending a week doing it. it all. My, my brother spends a month. So you're actually humble. <laughs> my, my birthday was June 2nd, just so you know. Oh, it's, I was I thought literally <laughs> a week ago. I had it on my calendar for today. Oh, we're ago. still celebrating. Mine we're is February celebrating. 11th, and I still celebrate. Uh, Anne is in November, and we're celebrating her birthday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, no, don't age me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. We'll deal with that in November. So, Anne, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions regarding movie night, because uh, today is the birthday of Cole Porter, and Cole Porter songs in your show. Are there? I don't think I I have one. I don't don't remember. No, I don't think I have one. I don't. I don't have, I mean, I love Cole Porter, and probably one of my you know, all-time classic favorite movies, and it is my husband's too, believe it or not, is um, High Society. Yes. Absolutely die over that movie. It's one of those that I never tire of. And it was just on just a few days ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, TCM did a whole day of movies that dealt with weddings and marriage and everything. So Mm -hmm. it was included, and of course, the Philadelphia story. Um, And tomorrow is the birthday of Judy Garland, and I know that she also features. You know. She's featured in my show a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, it's, you know, I'm certainly not uh, trying to be her or pretend to be her, but we. Um, Why not? Other people have. Especially I know, really. this month. Seriously. seriously. <laughs> no, but um, no, it's just that, um, you know, I, I went into rehearsal one day. We had to throw the, sh- the show together so fast. It was ridiculous. And I walked in and I said to Alex, would it be weird if we did a medley of torch songs? <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looked at me. We do a nine-minute medley of torch songs, and of course, you know the most famous of Judy Garland's, you know, is 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 uh, is in it from, uh, um, you know, from a star. Born, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and she was my idol, and it, you know, then I found out I was a soprano, and I, after two years of depression, I, you know, I accepted who I was. But I am a huge fan of. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to bring up this poster again because, first of all, it uh, to me it is iconic and it captures uh, the mood of your uh, show. Uh, I think we're frozen for a moment. Is anyone? Can anyone else hear me? Uh, we all froze there for a moment. Uh, yeah. Here we are, movie night, uh, and uh, the reviews, everything. It was just a 
perfect show. Uh, doing this show, what did you learn about yourself going uh, creating this show that you perhaps did not know prior and something that you will take through as you do other projects? So it actually was something that someone told me, which so funny when people say something that you do so unconsciously and then it becomes conscious and then you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I want to make sure I honor that. Um, Karen Akers, who was, is also an idol of mine, um, came to the premiere of, of movie night. And, um, I was, none, I was none too pleased because I didn't know she was going to be there. And I was, you know, terrified. And, um, she was sitting with uh, a very good friend of ours. I didn't know he knew her. It was like one of those things where you're like, oh my gosh. And when the show was over, she said to him, um, Anne moves to the music. She doesn't make the mu music move to her. Wow. And I just loved that because it's like, it's basically she's saying that, you know, which is which is what I try to do. I take a song and I go, okay, what what is the story here? And how am I going to use my instrument to tell it? And, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with the other way because that's jazz, right? That's when you just take a song and you go, this is the way I'm going to sing it, whether you like it or not. And it's brilliant. But... I'm not a jazz singer. So I just really loved, um, I just loved that. I thought that's really mm -hmm. true. And so the result of that, I think, is that um, all of my shows so far and even my album coming up is wondrously eclectic. You know, because nothing's going to sound the same because I have to use different parts of my instrument to tell that story. So, and I really, I love that. I hope it, it's interesting for an audience and the audience, you know, goes, oh, what, what is she going to do next? What is, you know, and I, and I like that. Well, I heard an interview once, I, and I've quoted this before on the show, uh, with uh, Billie Holiday. And uh, this interviewer said to Billie Holiday that uh, no one else should ever sing God Bless the Child because she had such a stamp on it. And she said that's the most insulting thing you could say to a singer. She said because uh, everybody has their interpretation Everyone experiences it. And she says, and every time I sing it, it's different mm -hmm. because of what I'm feeling at that moment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. I, you know, and, and I want to bring on our next guest because he also uh, has, uh, I mean, he, he is a phenomenal singer, but he also has a tribute show, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But before I bring him on, and uh, there are two questions, that one or two. One. And you don't get either one of their questions. And it says, um, in what area of your life are you playing too small? And how can you expand your comfort zone? Ooh, um, I think possibly um, I, I'm, I'm trying and I haven't succeeded yet in um, really taking full ownership of all that uh, all that I can and need to do for uh, for my mother. There's some uh, some difficult dynamics going on, and um, and I'm I'm uh, you know, and I'm I'm trying to find my way. I'm trying to change my response. And, there, and there's no textbook to tell you how to do it. No. No, that's, that's it. So I'm with you on that. Well, I want to bring on our next guest. He's been waiting patiently in the room. Don't I get to pick? Uh, uh, well, he's the only one left. I know. 
Stephen, you know, he has his own big band orchestra, and it's not just Sinatra, and it's not just Stephen just getting up there and singing. He he is, you know, Carol Channing once said, "There are entertainers and there are performers. A seal is a performer; it only cares about getting its fish. An entertainer is interested in that audience and getting them." And Steve, I, I've been watching video clips. I usually get paid in fish, though. That's yes, you know. <laughs> Then you're doing better than some of us. <laughs> so, Stephen, who or what are you celebrating today? Today I'm celebrating. I have to, I have a new show coming out on the 21st, and I wanted to lose 10 pounds, and I broke uh, the halfway mark today. I, 199 so, and a half. So, so how I did you do it? I got four and a half more pounds to go. A lot of salad with chicken in it. Wow. That's and for an Italian, it's not good. It's not good. I'm missing the macaroni and the pizza, but I'm doing it. And, I'm, and every time I get on the scale every morning and I see that half a pound or the pound gone, it's, it keeps oh, me going. I know the feeling. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Stephen, uh, you, uh, you <clears throat> not just Sinatra. I mean, you have done so much of Sinatra's songbook. Uh, yeah. And is there a particular song of Sinatra's that every time you sing it, it just gets so deep down into your solar plexus? No. No, and that's something that a lot of people ask. Well, what's your favorite Sinatra song? And it's just not one that I could really mm-hmm. nail down. Every day it's different. You hear one in one day and uh, on Monday, and, and they say, oh, I like that one. And then Tuesday you say, oh, you know, I heard that now. I like that better. And it just keeps changing. There's just there's too much to, to choose from. Well, I mean, again, you call your show not just Sinatra. What was your process in terms of putting this show together? Well, I've, for the past 18 years, I've been doing a show at the Carnegie Club on West 56th Street. I don't know if you know the Carnegie Club, it's a cigar mm-hmm. bar. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few places in New York where you could smoke cigars and cigarettes indoors while the show was going on. And, we and does that bother other- you at all, your throat? No, no I'm an ex-cigarette smoker, so I go and get my fix every every Saturday night. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we have 11-piece big band, and we do all the Sinatra stuff every week. And it's the longest-running nightclub show in New York City because mm-hmm. I haven't changed one song or one joke since 2004 it's the same exact show every week and we sell sell out two shows every week but every never fails every week somebody comes up and says when are you going to work in a place where there's no smoking because i want to take my mother my father whatever and they can't be around the smoke and when are you going to do something other than sinatra so i can't do a show that's completely not sinatra because then the people that want to hear me do the sinatra will be disappointed and i'll be stuck in the middle so if you had better do a combination so this show will be for people that want to hear me do Sinatra, but not just so. And that's where, where the idea came from. And there'll be it's going to be at the cutting room, so there's no cigar smoking there. Mm-hmm. Everybody could bring their old relatives and, and come and fill the room up, and it'll be a lot of fun. Now, have you played the cutting room? in the show, going to have the big band. It's, it's going to be nice. I was at a book signing event the other day at the cutting room. I've never been there before, and I really mm-hmm. like the space a lot. Yeah. Uh, is there a, is that um, a favorite room of yours, or do you have a favorite room in New York that you like to play in? Uh, well, Carnegie Club is my favorite because that, that's my home. I feel most comfortable there. I did a CD release uh, at the Cutting Room back in 2016, and uh, and I loved it. It was really really nice room. It's got a big stage, so you could fit the band. There's a lot of the 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 nicer rooms in New York City. The stages are too small for a big band. And when you start looking at the event spaces or private clubs or hotels, it gets very expensive to, to try and get a room that could accommodate a big band. And we wanted the full range of horns. We're going to have a conductor, too. When was the last time you went to a nightclub and saw a conductor with a big band? 
I know. You have to go to Radio City or Lincoln Center. That's, that's true. That's true. So, uh, and is this your own band that you perform with? Yeah. Yeah. These are my guys. Uh, and I, mean, I do Carnegie yeah. Club at Stan Rubin's Orchestra. Stan's been been there forever. So, Stephen, what do you think your secret is? I mean, to have such a long-running show that's been consistent to all these years. It's Sinatra. They, <laughs> people just want him. Well, Stephen, yeah. I would say that it has to be you, of course. Uh, it had to be you. That was my wedding yeah. song. It had to be you. <laughs> you know, uh, some, but some people could get up there and do Sinatra, and they're not going to last as long as you are. I was afraid when I first started doing it that people were going to be like, uh, you, you, you're not Sinatra. You can't be Sinatra. And Of course, I'm not trying to be Sinatra. It's not an impersonator show. But I felt like people were going to be like, you, you, you're trying to be my hero and forget it. But it wasn't that way. People were like, we miss him. We want him. We can't get close enough. And it's it's been incredible. It's been a, and we get a lot of uh, under forties come to the Carnegie Club mm-hmm. on Saturdays. A lot of under forties. It's an amazing mm-hmm. thing, it really is. Mm-hmm. And in between the shows, we play the uh, nineteen sixty five or sixty six that Rat Pack show with Johnny Carson and Dean and Sammy and uh, the, so we play that and people have come. Dina Martin came in one night to see the show and she just sat at the bar watching her father up on the big screen in between shows. Wow, that's so, amazing yeah. and. Doing a show there and having the consistency that you've had there, um, do you have to work yourself on getting the word out about what you're doing, or is that uh, does it happen automatically? Did in the beginning, it was it was very difficult because uh, they didn't advertise at all, and so it was tough mm-hmm. in the beginning. But then once it it started to click and it took off, it uh, it really snowballed. And for, say for the past ten years. We've been sold out every week. Well, congratulations. Um, there's one question left, Stephen, and it's got your name. Oh, uh, Betsy, did you have a question? No, I just said impressive. No, it is very. It's very impressive. <laughs> it's... I, Stephen, I'll come see you at the cutting room. But I, you know, the cigars. See, that's smoke. what this show is for for the people that's that don't right. want to be arrested. I can't do with the cigar smoke. Sorry, and I grew up on a tobacco farm. So um, yes, in South Carolina. Um, question: I'm going to ask you, and you got the question that nobody else got. So the question is, what do you love most about yourself? Well, I'm so handsome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would agree with that, Stephen. (laughs) What do I love most about myself? Wow, that's that's tough. I think... It shouldn't be, Stephen. (laughs) The the thing that my family will say mostly, if they're going to describe Stephen, the first thing they say is stubborn. And I think I've learned, because I, I know I was as a kid, and I guess I still am, but I think I've learned to channel the stubbornness to make it work for me, to realize what I have to stick to, what's worth sticking to, and what's worth walking, walking away from. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I've created that that talent. I think my stubbornness became a plus. That's great. So I, I'm going to ask all of you a few questions, but we're going to start with the theme of today. It's movie night. Uh, so, Betsy, Ann, I'm going to start with you. Is there a particular movie that has made a lasting impact on you? And why Why do you think that film has made such an impact on your life? Oh, my gosh. You know, I was, when I realized it was movie night, I said, I know Richard's going to ask me questions about movies. I'm not prepared. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Can you start with somebody else? 
Uh, if you would like, I can come back to you. Would you come back to me? I'll come back to you. Great. Doug, my question for you is the movie Gypsy Mm -hmm. and your thoughts. uh, You know, a lot of people have very strong opinions because Ethel Merman did not do the movie version. Um, But what are your overall thoughts on the movie? And uh, are you a fan of the movie? The original 1962 or the Betty, uh, the Betty Midler version? The original. Well, that was my introduction to to Gypsy, seeing it on television in the late 60s. And um, I was at a friend's house. Um, We did not have a color television, but my friends did. And I was astounded by the colors in the film, first of all. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's extraordinarily extraordinarily garish, and I just loved it. I, I go back and forth on the movie. I mean, I will watch it if it's on. And there are times when I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, they missed the boat so, so many times on this. And then there are other times where I sit there and, it's just, it's just, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. Um, I love Rosalind Russell. I have always loved Rosalind Russell. I think she is completely miscast in this movie and I don't care because I just love watching her. Um, I think Natalie Wood, and I'm going to make some enemies here, but I think Natalie Wood is by far the best Gypsy Rosalie I've ever seen. Wow. Of any of the ones I've seen on stage. Um, she, she's just, she's marvelous. Um, and uh, like I said, I go back and forth on it. Right now, I'm in the last time I saw it, I was in love with it from the minute it started to the minute it was over. So I'm I'm in a positive gypsy film uh, mode right now. Okay. And I do think one other thing, when I talked about missing the boat, should have been Judy Garland playing Rose. Well, there were talks that, you know, that, that it didn't happen. Yes. That one or didn't want her because Stars Burn had flopped. Yeah, but she would have been right. Magnificent. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I think she would have been a great Mama Rose. Yeah. Um, Anne. Yes. Uh, movie night. Um, what was your process uh, when uh, putting that show together? I mean, obviously, when you're putting a title together like Movie Night, uh, people are coming who know you, uh, but someone who may not necessarily know who Anne Kittredge is. Uh, there are one or two people out there, I guess, that would fall into that category. But when they come to see you, um, Mm -hmm. they probably are expecting their favorite movie songs in the show. So what was your process in terms of putting uh, the show together in terms of your song selections? You know, uh, so we did have to throw this together quickly. Someone had asked us to bring a show and we, the show we were doing, we felt we had exhausted the audience in New York City. And so we had to come up with Mm -hmm. something else and we really had to throw it away fairly quickly. And it was really funny because, um, um, I, I just said to Alex, um, we have to do something about the movies because that's what I was raised on. I know movie music better than I know theater music. And he's like, but everyone thinks you have a theater singer. And I know I said, yeah, well, that's not me. I mean, I'm actually much more comfortable with movie music. Mm-hmm. That was my, you know, I was one of those kids. And so we started with that. And um, when we found our anchor, that's when the show began to gel and it ends up that our anchor was a most unusual choice for a movie night show which is the song hi lily hi low from the movie lily Mm -hmm. that became the anchor because it was my mother's favorite song and i've always been intrigued by the fact that it was her favorite song because it's not the most uplifting you know like oh i love you not you know it's it's a pretty rich and, and complex uh, message going on in that song. But but to be honest with you, it I, I had a very strong emotional 
attachment to it because of my mother. And from there, it just um, colored the rest of the show. And even though um, we started with, let's do all these songs I know, you can never end up there because that doesn't make a show necessarily. You go, well, you're missing this, or you're missing that. And all of a sudden you're, you know, you're expanding. But what it, but it did end up, um, uh, you know, doing for the rest of the show was it just illuminated um, how I became me through the 90 plus years of movies that I had been exposed to. And mm-hmm. we really, we really, we, we, we tried not to, we tried to keep the movies, the movie music, the focus at all times, but it was so nice that I was able to interject certain, you know, personal associations with things. And I think that really helps the audience or has helped the audience to really warm up, especially when I start doing Hi Lily, Hi Low. I think, mm-hmm. what is she doing this one for? But it's actually one of the most moving moments in the no, show. No, you're, you're absolutely right about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen, um, Frank Sinatra, uh, everyone knows one of the greatest singers that ever lived. But I also think he was a magnificent actor. Um, and I think that a lot of times when people are thinking about uh, his acting career, that it somehow gets uh, on a back burner. So I'd like to know from your point of view, and obviously you've studied him and you know his uh, music so well, um, is there a particular movie of his that you that's a particular favorite of yours? Uh if I could only remake one, I would want to do Pal Joey. I saw that movie over mm. and over again. I love that character. And mm. a lot of the character of Joey Evans became the Sinatra persona that he showed to everybody, even though he wasn't really like that. He became that kind of guy with the hat and the raincoat and everything. If I had to pick one that I thought was his best performance would be the Joker's Wild when he did Joey. Wow. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could only imagine, you know, that he and Judy Garland were supposed to do, speaking of Judy again, uh, Carousel. And um, that, and, yes, know, that, fell and that fell apart. And mm-hmm. it didn't have to for him. Um, when they first were going to make the movie, they were changed. They had two different formats mm-hmm. of film that they were using at the time. And they couldn't take one and transfer it to the other. So they had to mm-hmm. do each scene twice. One with one film and one with the other. But Frank said, if you're going to do that, then I'm making two movies and I got to get paid twice. <laughs> yes. And there was a big conflict about it and they sued each other and Frank was kicked off the <laughs> By the time the lawsuit was, was finished, they figured out a way to transfer the one type to the other and they only had to do one movie anyway. And they didn't have either one of them. Which right, is and they had Joe McRae and uh, Carolyn... Uh, uh, Shirley McLean. Shirley McLean. So funny. No, 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 no yeah. not Carousel. Um... Not, not Carolyn Jones. Um, Shirley Jones. Shirley Jones. Jones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Betsy Ann, uh, do you have your answer? Okay. I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I love Moonstruck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it to pieces. And I also love the way we were. So basically, I'm a sap. I mean, I'm, I'm a sap for, you know, love stories. and. Um, I, have, you know, I have to tell you, first of all, Moonstruck, uh, Anita Gillette who is a friend of many of us here, uh, is just absolutely wonderful in that movie. And uh, all of the bits that she's doing were all her. She went in and you know added all of that. Uh, so wonderful, yeah. And believe it or not, 
I had never seen the way we were until just a few months ago when mm-hmm. I had Tom Santopietro on the show, who's mm-hmm. written a book about the making. I highly recommend not only my interview with him, but the book itself. Uh, go and get this book because it, you know, uh, Barbara, uh, you know, he tells this wonderful story when I, in our interview, that Barbara, he would send things to her that he wanted to know about the film and she would write notes and send them back to him. So he has all those notes. She didn't do a sit down interview, but Mm. her stamp of approval is on the book. So I highly Mm. recommend it. So I want to talk to each of you a little bit in our remaining moments about uh, your uh, creative process. And this is based on questions from my own reading and writing. I do the morning pages every morning from uh, Julia Cameron's The Artist Way. And the question for you, Betsy Ann, is what is one habit that you have uh, moving forward uh, that has made had a significant impact on your career, either as a singer or as a publicist, since that's where your focus is right now? Hmm. Oh, boy. Um, well, singing, I, I, I guess I, you know, there's certainly a, a bunch of creative things that go on with um with being you know being a publicist um you know trying to draw out a tale that you might be able to sell to somebody about you know about your client i mean really like creating that but um i don't know you know i'm just i'm full of i'm full of ideas all the time and um as a singer because I still sing in my shower and I sing in my apartment, you know, and I, and I, um, you know, one of these days, maybe I'll sing again on stage. I have no idea, but um, I just, uh, I guess it's all kinds of material, whether it's singing, you know, all kinds, all kinds of music and how can, how can I make it interesting and, and, and my own and, 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 you know, maybe not to put it on stage, but just keep experimenting. And um, as far as writing is concerned, you know, which I do a lot of now, I, you know, that I, I, again, I just, I'm full of ideas all the time. And, you know, I, I like to talk to people. I like them to tell me a little bit about themselves, a little bit about their background, what they'd like to accomplish and then it just kind of starts happening. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm just, you know, I'm funny that way. That's great. Mm-hmm. Great answer. Uh, Doug, um, describe uh, your fable uh, uh, in 10 words or less. Have you met me? <laughs> <laughs> That's four. Okay, yeah. Uh, right, six left, I'm done. Um, that's eight. Uh, a June Havoc fever dream. Good for you. Good for you. Now you've got your subtitle there. Uh, Anne, yeah. um, what are, what's one thing in this business? Or No, I'm going to rephrase this. What's one thing in general that you are currently afraid of? I'm a, I guess, 
What am I afraid of? I guess I'm afraid of uh, not having the, this sounds strange. No, just say it. The stamina to uh, really be a good person to the end. Wow. That's an interesting thing. But I think you do have that stamina. So, uh, Stephen, before I ask you a question, sure. I am going to pull up a, a, a comment here. And this is from Barbara Lee George, who's watching the show. And they would love to see you and your band play at Sinatra Park in Hoboken. Have you done that? I have. I did it a couple of times. I did it one time. It was so hot. And I, How I, hot I, was it? I <laughs> it was so hot. And I was sweating so much that when I was wiping the sweat from my hand and I was trying to snap my fingers, it was, <laughs> the snap was not going with the music because my, my finger was slipping. Yeah. And that's yeah, I learned anytime I have to wipe sweat, change, put the microphone in the other hand and go like this. Those are little that's things funny. That is funny. So, guys, a question for you, and this is a question that get it ready, everybody, because Stephen's going to start it, and then I'm going to go around, and then I'm going to give my closing remarks, and then you each have a chance to give your closing remarks today, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But the question, Stephen, and I'm starting with you, is who are you, really? <laughs> oh, God. And what, what do you, how do you mean that? Who, who are you? If I if I've never met you before, and I would say, who are you, really? I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a singer. I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. Who's had that song? Even I love the fact that you, your wife is going to love the fact that you put husband first. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Go on, the, go on the photos page of my website. The picture of my myself and my wife is on the top. That's the perfect. First. That's yeah. great. How many years? 38 years. And everybody tells me Stephen's the singer, but Debbie's the star. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Well, Debbie, God bless you. Mm -hmm. uh, Betsy Ann, same question. I am a street fighter. <laughs> I am a hard, hard worker. I could dig ditches and I actually have in my Home in California, I dug my own, uh, uh, yeah, whatever that stuff is that waters the flowers. Um, I dug my own trenches. Uh, very kind um, and grateful that I got a smile, which I think everybody deserves. And I, that's part of my thing. Amen. Uh, Doug. I am probably the funniest curmudgeon you'll ever meet, but I have a heart of gold and I just, I will melt for any dog. That's true. That's true. I know. I know that for a fact. And Anne. Well, my family has approved this because I had to come up with a very short description of myself and they were all like, oh, mom, that was so right on the nose. I am gracefully off center and uh, I am a passionate Buddhist. Mm -hmm. Great. That's wonderful. Well, I am passionate about all of you, and I'm thrilled that you all said yes <clears throat> being here. To me, that's what the secret is. It's saying yes. And so many times, a lot of people say, let me think about it. Let me get back to you. Let me do this. But you all said yes to me, so that means the world to me. Um, 
I love uh, all types of genre of film. And uh, there's, I, I know what, uh, the film that I'm going to be watching tonight. Um, there's a documentary that just came out about Mary Tyler Moore. It's mm -hmm. on HBO Max. Uh, I don't know mm -hmm. if any of you have ever seen it. Uh, it just came out. But I'm going to be watching that tonight uh, to start the evening. Mm -hmm. And then one of my favorite genres of, of film also is... Um, are campy films. I just, the campier, the better. And all this week, uh, I actually did a show uh, years ago at a summer camp called Summer Camp. And all my songs were from campy films. And uh, somebody from TCM must have heard about this because they're doing camp, summer camp films all every Friday night this month. And tonight at 9.45, one of the campiest films of all time, Valley of the Dolls, uh, so I'll be watching it again. I just love that film. Uh, I want to thank you all for being here. Uh, I'm going to give you each a chance to have your final word for the day. It could be about anything that we spoke about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to leave everybody with. Uh, everybody, when uh, you go to the YouTube channel, uh, all of their links uh, will be there so that uh, you'll be able to follow up, keep in touch, and see what they're doing. Uh, please stay in touch with each other. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, the next person, and then after you finish, you'll pick the next person, and so on and so on, until the last person is standing. And when the last person says goodbye, the final credits will roll. Uh, but I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else mm -hmm. without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone and call someone that you haven't spoken to in a while. Uh, not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call. Ask them if they want to go see a movie or invite them over to watch your favorite movie. Uh, it's a good way of reconnecting and seeing each other. And it's important that we do these things now instead of writing about it when it's too late. So uh, everybody pick up the phone and make that phone call. Uh, I have a dear friend, Sean Moniger. And he says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. And I always say, mm -hmm. I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side. And with that, I'm going to leave. And Betsy Ann, it's yours. Thank you. And again, happy birthday, whatever day it is. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I would just like to encourage everybody to do just one thing uh, to learn about uh, systemic racism, and that is to watch Ava DuVernay's movie, 13th. And thank you for having me, Richard. And very nice to be with you all. Uh, Doug. Well, I want to uh, thank two people, three people actually that I did not mention earlier. And that is um, Ken Davenport, who has been supporting me uh, very nicely. Um, through Ken, I met Emily Dupre, who is as uh, producing Fable. And um, she's marvelous. And then my my press agent, uh, Jay Michaels, who is also just really working his ass off for me, if I may say that. And I also wanted to say thank you, Richard, for for always supporting me as well. It's a pleasure to be on your show. How could how could anyone think about it? It's an instant yes. And it was lovely meeting all of you, too, and Stephen and Betsy Ann. So thank you. Doug, you need to pick one of us. Oh, Anne. <laughs> hey, hey, everyone. So um, 
I was so thrilled that that uh, Richard uh, invited me. He knows that I've been very, um, my, my attention's been all over the place. So it's always a pleasure to be able to focus in and uh, things like this do that. So thank you so much. Um, I guess, you know, one thing that I would like to mention is I, I released an album last year. Um, it was a bit of a fluke. Um, and, but it was a good fluke. I got a lot of uh, really uh, wonderful um, return from it. And uh, so the label that I'm working with um, really pushed me to get back in the studio. And I just wanted to share that the first album was full of songs that I knew that I had performed. And, um, and that was all great, but this album isn't. And for all of you people like me who are used to live performance and being in front of an audience and getting all this information from the audience to help you, you know, tweak what you're doing, that doesn't exist in a studio when you're doing an album. That, and and it's, it's just been fascinating to realize that that's actually the norm. I mean, it's not the norm to sing things in front of an audience and then put it on an album. It's the norm to create in the, in the studio and then you go out and tour it. Right. So, um, it's a totally different art form, I feel like, even though I've done one, it's just like, oh, this is very different. Um, and I'm really excited about it. It's it's uh, it's not something that I realized was going to happen until I started working on it. So I can't wait to share it with you when it comes out. It's not going to be for several months. It's called Romantic Notions. Um, and um, thank you. Thank you in advance. Hopefully you'll like it. And I hand this off to Stephen. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, everybody. Happy birthday, Betsy Ann. Uh, I hope everybody will go to stephenmaglio.com. Check out the, the website. There's some videos and pictures there. And come and see me at the Carnegie Club any Saturday night. And the new Cutting Room show is going to be, the first one is going to be Wednesday, June 21st. And, you know, the way um, uh, Billy Joel is stopping his, his show now, he said, I'm going to do one show a month for as long as people want to come and see me. Well, we're talking about if the cutting room show does well, that we will continue going and carrying on once a month and hopefully, uh, hopefully make a new residency out of it. So if anybody wants to come to see us, the first show will be Wednesday, June 21st, and it's going to be a great, great time. So check all that out again, Richard. Thank you very much.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.